this morning we are looking at uh, the idea of work and really this is a new mini-series um, that is work and next week we have rest. So Steve will be preaching next week on rest. Just looking at those two ideas and, and patterns of life. Um, and I think it's a great word for Mother's Day, don't you? A really good word for Mother's Day because if there's anything I know um, about people who are mothers... It's that they work so, so hard um, in what they do, in bringing up children. Um, it's just they work so hard in that. So I think it fits together nicely, um, although this isn't a Mother's Day talk. Um, and I wonder whether, uh, just to start, whether we can just uh, pray. Um, the other thing I'm uh, thinking of, I'm a teacher at the end of term. Um, and I certainly feel work at the moment, and if there are any other teachers in the room, you'll be feeling it. You know what it's like, don't you? Week before the end of term, you just feel a bit... Actually, there aren't any other. They've all gone. <laughs> yeah, to teach. One. Oh, sorry. Pardon? Oh, there we go. Brilliant. Okay, two, two. Fantastic. Lord Jesus, just pray that you'd come and be with us today. Lord, as we look at this subject, Lord, will you encourage us? Will you bless us? Will you help us to understand your word? Lord, will you give us a passion for you and for the workplaces, and for what we do day in, day out. Lord Jesus, will you come by your spirit now and touch, Lord? Will you use my words for your glory? Amen. So I thought I would uh, start with a story. And uh, in 2004, American Airlines pilot Roger Finderson, in his pre-flight announcement, asked all the Christians on board to put their hands up. So he's about to, you know, announce what you're supposed to do with all the health and safety. And he said suddenly, if you're a Christian on board, can you put your hand up? Strange. He then suggested that during the flight, everyone else might like to talk to those people about their faith. He also talked for passengers. If they wanted to, he'd be happy to talk to them at the end of the flight. I just want to put you in that thought for the moment. You're there in the plane. Some people a little bit nervous when they fly, is that right? A little bit nervous, some people quite excited. You're there, and you hear the pilot talking about life and death, talking about your eternal destiny. Now, what you don't know is actually there was a difficulty with the engine just beforehand. But you may not know that, but there was a, there was a kind of slightly strange feel when they did that. I don't know how you'd feel if you were there, whether you think that's a good idea or not. Because obviously he was trying to share his faith in the workplace. The other thing that's interesting, Christians obviously weren't prepared. So they were kind of, did he really say that? And half putting their hands up and half not. What was he saying? What is he going to ask me to do? There were a number of people who were there who obviously took it completely wrongly and started panicking. So I think there really was something. So they were phoning relatives and saying, oh no, the pilot's saying there's something wrong with the plane. And then there were the flight attendants who absolutely had no idea what was going on and were asked all sorts of awkward questions. And believe you me, they had a word with the pilot at the end and said, what were you doing? It's interesting, isn't it? That kind of clash between work and our Christian life. That difference between it. The idea sometimes of what is our mission and what is our work. And I think my, my title today, my, my, um, the kind of sub-thing is Work, Necessary Evil or God 
opportunity. Necessary evil or God's opportunity. Do we have the slides? Ah, there we go. Necessary evil or God's opportunity. I think the other thing, when you think about work, you'll probably be thinking it in many different ways, but I have to be honest, if I was on a plane about to take off, my first thought would be, can the pilot fly the plane? Is he competent? Can he do it? Can he actually get it up in the air and down again? I would not care about his religion, his thoughts on politics. I wouldn't even mind if he was a Remainer or Brexit. Oh dear, I've said it now. Please don't let that cloud your thoughts for the rest of the morning. Because I just want, I would just want somebody who is competent at what they do. It's interesting though, isn't it, how Christians think about work. Um, particularly paid employment, some people would think of it like this. They would think, do you know what? I go to work to get the money to live, but my real life is after that. It's my volunteering at the church. It's when I do my street pastoring. It's when I serve at kids' club. That's the real life. And the rest of it, if you like, that's just a necessary. I just have to get through it. But my mission really is in church. Is it? Is it really that we separate our life like that into the kind of um, God part and the non-God part? Is that really how we're made? I will answer that as we go through. I'm not just leaving that as a question, honest. I think the other thing that I was was thinking about this is in terms of work here um, and in the churches around the UK, we have a whole variety of people, don't we? We've got people who are self-employed, people who are in paid employment, people who are um, in voluntary employment, people who are working for a church or a religious organisation. We've got people who are studying, people who are, at the moment, looking for employment, people here who are raising a family, and that's what their employment is at this time. Those who are retired, and those maybe who are not working for medical reasons. So I've got a nice, cohesive group to talk to this morning. And I will try my best to relate what I'm going to say to, to each of those groups. But, or, I know a number of you fit into two or more of those categories. So I'm hoping that as I talk through various things, they relate to where you're at at the moment, and they speak to you, even if I give an example from a different group. Okay, let me start off then. Work is good. Work is good. So in Genesis 2 verse 2, God worked in creation. The first part of the Bible, right at the beginning, it talks about work, and the first element of work is God working in creation. Genesis 2 verse 2 says this, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, from all his work that he had done. Now that gives me a bit of a question, I don't know about you, did God get tired? Interesting one. Ah, that's to do with rest, isn't it? I'm going to leave that to Steve next week. Nice little conundrum. But it's interesting, God worked and God rested. That was the pattern. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So that's the first idea of work, right at the beginning of the Bible. 
So if God worked, it must be good, because it's something that he does. And then in Genesis 2.15, the Lord God talks to Adam about his role in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. And verse 15, he said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it, or to work it and to maintain it, to keep it going. Now, obviously, this was before the fall. This was when work in Eden was good. But it's very clear here, this is not paid employment, if you like. This is an element of gardening, isn't it? It's looking after the beautiful thing in the Garden of Eden. It's maintaining it. It's, it's helping the fruit to grow. It's that enjoyment we have of accomplishing things that we put a seed in the ground and it both grows beautifully into something. So labour here was God's design. I've got a great quote here by Martin Luther, the famous German, German reformer. And he says this, Put it this way, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give this day our daily bread. We do, don't we? Lord, give us our daily bread. And he does give us our daily bread. But he does it by means of the farmer who planted it and harvested the grain, the baker who made the flour into bread, and the person who prepared the meal. That's good work, isn't it? He provides our daily bread through good work, and good labour. And then, of course, as we get further on into chapter 3 of Genesis, we see we have the fall, and we have the change slight in nature of work. The essence of labour and work is good, but it changes slightly. And I don't want to read a lot about this, but um, in uh, Genesis 3.19, it says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. And there's that idea of sweating. There's that idea of working for it. It's suddenly become hard work. It's become difficult. And I know for some of you here, when I mention the word work or employment, there's difficulty with that, isn't there? There's, there's effort. There's politics. There's all sorts of things that go on in work that don't make it purely good or purely, if you like, a great enjoyment. Work is now accompanied at times by pain, by difficulties, and here by sweating. So that, if you like, is my introduction, my biblical basis for what I'm going to say. I'm now going to look at just one passage in the Bible and just talk about it in terms of work. And that passage is from Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. So if you want to look it up in the Bible, uh, then do. If not, it'll come up on the screen behind me. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. I'm not going to put it all in context, because the, the, the chapter here has all sorts of things into it, talking about how households um, work, families, children, uh, man and woman, how they relate together, all sorts of things. And in the middle of that, oh gosh, that really didn't come out well, did it? Okay. So, I'll read it, I'm going to read it in the ESV, but if you've got a Bible in front of you, that might be worth it. So, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, 
fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You're really not going to be able to read it for that. I'm going to read it again. Bond servants, so bond servants is talking, could be translated slaves. Obey in everything those who you are earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. So this here is in the context of slavery, in the context of first first, um, century Palestine. So we're not talking 16th or 17th century slavery, the black slavery, we're talking the context of Roman slavery. And in some of that context, that slavery was more like employment. They were working for a family. They were part of that family. They were responsible for that family. They were the gardener in that family. But you were also a slave. And you have very, very few rights. It wasn't until later into the 3rd and 4th and 5th centuries that there were a few slave rights that came out. But you had very few rights. So if you had an awkward boss, you had an awkward boss. If you had an abusive boss, you had an abusive boss. That was just life. And into that context, which is more difficult than any of us that are in employment, Paul, into that context, he says these words. And if you like, these are for me the best way of looking at work, looking at employment from a Christian point of view. Okay, so I'm going to pick out certain words. The first one here is the idea of eye service. So bond servants obey in everything those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service. The context of eye service is this, that you're performing an action to attract attention. You want to attract attention. You want to be employee of the month. You want to have your photo on the wall. You want to look impressive. You want to have the highest sales figures. You want to be the one at the top. Now, none of these are bad things because we want to serve well for Jesus, don't we? We want to serve well in terms of our employment. We want to model Jesus in all we do. Actually, the idea of eye service reflects to all of those different categories. There's very much an attracting attention sometimes with young mums at the school gate, isn't it? The ones with the slightly bigger car. The ones who always just seem to have it together. The ones who just seem to, I don't know, move through life very gracefully, even when they have um, a young child throwing up all over them. But it is, there, are, there is that sense, even with, with uh, parents, isn't it? There's that sense of, of trying to sometimes attract attention. It could even, I wonder, whether big, big grandparents as well. You know, we want to show that we're better grandparents than they are because look what we've done. It's eye-pleasers. That's the eye service here. It could even be working for a church because when you talk to other ministers, what you want to say is, oh, you should see our church, the number of baptisms we've had this year. We are so impressive. Our heart is that people are saved. They come to know Jesus 
and that we see them baptised. But it's not about causing a, calling attention to us, is it? It's not about, that. if you like, that idea of eye service, catching the attention. So that's the first part that Paul is talking about here from this um, to the bond servants. And the second one here, which is people pleasers, God has really highlighted to me for today as I was preparing it. You see, people pleasers are the people who win favour and please other people. And I don't know about you, but I can be a lot like that. I want to please other people. In my employment, I want to please others. I want people to like me. I don't always want to rock the boat. I want people to, oh, that's Bob, he's a nice man, isn't he? Jolly fellow. And as Christians, sometimes we can be real people pleasers, can't we? We don't want to offend. We just want to please. We don't want to upset others. It's not that we should be necessarily awkward, but there are times when we just are people pleasers. In our families, sometimes we're people pleasers, aren't we? I don't know about you, but sometimes in, uh, in, in your family, you're peacemakers. There's nothing wrong with that, trying to keep two factions apart or make sure that people communicate well. But actually being people pleasers means we're trying to please other people. We're not trying to please Jesus. It's not Jesus we're focusing on. We're not trying to do the right thing. In fact, we're happy to do the wrong thing if we're people pleasers because we just want to keep it quiet. We just want everybody to like us. I don't know about you, that touched me a bit. Sometimes maybe I don't step out and do the right thing. I don't say the right thing. Because it's just a bit difficult. Do you know, retirement isn't about pleasing other people, is it? It's about having the opportunity to serve the king. To serve Jesus. And that may be by pleasing family, working with family. It may be doing all sorts of things. Do you know, I feel Christians are not people pleasers, or should not be, but they should be world changers. They should be culture changers. I don't think you should be irritating, but I think in an atheistic and consumeristic culture, we can be irritants, can't we? We can say, actually, we don't agree with that. We don't agree with what's said there. That may be the common thought of the day, but that's not my opinion. We can go against the, uh, the prevailing culture of the day. Let me give you a, an example. Imagine that uh, you've been out of work for a while and you start volunteering at a charity. And uh, as you start, you know, you're the new person in, so you want to make sure you please people. But you're noticing at the charity shop, well, imagine it's a charity bookshop, that somebody who's been there a long time is actually making a few mistakes. Maybe they're not quite using the till correctly. Maybe they're not labelling the uh, books or the clothes correctly. Maybe they're getting a little bit distracted at times and not making sure the security of the shop is right. Maybe they are making other mistakes. They're making promises that they can't keep that's making it difficult for that group. What do you do? You're the first one in. Surely you just want to be, be pleasing people. You don't want to say anything. How do you say something? Do you, do you gently mention something? Do you talk to the boss and say, look, I think he's, he's absolutely great in what he's doing, but 
but can I just say, I, I think I, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable with this. And it may be that people don't have the same opinion of you after that, but sometimes we just have to talk about it. Of course, it may be you see something that isn't right. You actually see the reason for the till changing is because somebody's taking some money home at the end of the day. And you think, do you know what? I probably need to say something about that. I won't be popular. I might even lose a friend. But maybe I need to do that. Our value is not in pleasing people. As Christians, as those who have decided we're not walking in our own way, we're walking the way of Jesus. We're trying to follow him with all our hearts. Sometimes we do it well, sometimes we don't. But its value is not in pleasing people. It's not in the type of work we do. It's not even in our family. Our value comes because we know that we're a child of the king. We know that we're a child of the king. We know that Jesus is our Lord. And actually, it's him we want to please. And in doing that, that's where our value is, because we want to please him. And just maybe for one or two of you, that's something that might be just worth praying about as we come to the end. Just get a sense as I was preparing this. That would be important for one or two. Okay, let's uh, go back to uh, Colossians chapter 3. It says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, so trying to look impressive, not by way, not as people pleasers, but with a sincerity of heart. Sincerity of heart. Being honest, generous, faithful. We want to be honest employees. We want to be honest people in our family. We want to be faithful employees, faithful in our family. Caution a little bit about saying this one. We want to be people who are generous with our time, don't we? We want to be generous with our time so that we can spend time with people even when it's not inconvenient to us. Now, the reason I'm feeling cautious, because if... Like me, your life isn't quiet, it's busy. If you're generous with your time at church and you're generous with your time at your family, you're generous with your time at work, then what else is left? So it's about, there's a caution there, but we should be people, that people can come at the end of the day and say, do you know what, Bob, can I just talk about something? We want to be people who are generous, known for being generous with our time. In verse 23, and I think this reinforces it here, talks about working heartily, working enthusiastically, trying to be good employees. J.D. Greer, who is a uh, pastor from North Carolina, uh, his idea is that Christians should be excellence-pursuing. We should try and be excellent in everything we do. And he states this. I think this is a really good quote that I found from him. He said, a Christian with a poor work ethic or a student with sloppy academic performance gives the world a terrible testimony of Christ. He may say with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, but when he or she doesn't care to turn in assignments on time or respect his or her boss, he is saying even louder, I am Lord. I am Lord. Sincerity of heart, humility, is so important. Uh, The next part here, just going to the end, is fearing the Lord. 
And I don't know your understanding of fear of the Lord, but just to, just to clarify it quickly, it's not about being afraid, as we might be in, in a difficult circumstance or on a rugby pitch when somebody twice our size is running towards us. It's just simply knowing the awesomeness of God. It's respect or worship of God. It's a proper fear. It's a proper and right respect. Because as Christians, we want to represent Jesus in the best way we possibly can in our employment. My experience is that many Christians are fantastic in the workplace. They're amazing employees. Those people you can rely on and rely on and rely on. But if I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I should take the microphone on, off for this, but if I'm going to be honest, I have also known people who profess to be Christians that are not great in the workplace. People who just won't follow the dress code because they're following Jesus. People who don't wear clean clothes. People who don't get relationships right. They feel they should be able to decide when they can talk to somebody behind a closed door rather than follow the rules. They feel that actually they shouldn't be managed by anyone except God. Whereas actually this verse says the opposite, doesn't it? To respect those who manage and lead us. And sometimes as Christians we can, or people do, hold other people to a higher moral standard than they have. I said, actually, that, that boss, he should be doing this. Did you see what he did after, after work on a Friday? He, he, he actually left early and I saw him going down the pub. Can you believe it? Come a bit critical at times. Sometimes Christians can become, become that critical voice. There's a difference there, isn't it? I talked about the positivity, the positive idea that following Jesus, sometimes we don't go with the flow, but to be critical is different, isn't it? It's an attitude of the heart. It's not doing it out of humility and service to Jesus. It's almost gossip. And I think sometimes we just have to make sure we are the best employees we can be, the blessed servants of Jesus, that we show love, grace, truth, mercy, peace, patience, kindness to others while having been absolutely sold out for Jesus and that everything he means. We should be honest. We should be generous. We should be hardworking. We should be kind. We should be positive and, of course, prayerful in our workplaces. Because in our workplaces, by the school gate, with our family, we have a huge opportunity to share the love of Jesus. And sometimes it is so easy to walk past somebody who is actually going through a really interesting time in their life and maybe just a smile and a kind word would open up an opportunity for us to share the love of Jesus. I'm going to come to that in a minute. But I just uh, finally, I just want to uh, look at the word work so the word work uh, in this uh, chapter, let me uh, find it. Whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. That word there is, and I'm not going to pronounce it right, ergozomai, and it means to work, to be active, or to accomplish. And I think that's a really important point, to accomplish, because sometimes... 
Sometimes one of the benefits of work is you have a week where you feel you've accomplished something. You can be tangible at something. That's not quite so easy sometimes when you're looking after children. You know that there's going to be the amazing accomplishment for years, but sometimes in that week it can be hard. I want to just point out another place in the New Testament where that word ergozomai is used, and it's actually Matthew 26.10. And the context of Matthew 26.10 is the, the woman of doubtful virtue who has the alabaster bar. Bar, alabaster bar? Alabaster jar. And breaks it and pours that really, really valuable perfume over Jesus. That's the context. And some people say, why have you done that? You shouldn't have done that. You should have sold that and given the money from it to the poor. And Jesus says this, Matthew 26, verse 10. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done, for she has done a beautiful thing to me. That was an accomplishment, wasn't it? That was a work that was difficult to do, but it's the right thing to do. And I think it's sometimes important that we just use that word accomplishment because, do you know, God often um, uses work in strange ways. He uses it to work on our character as long as we allow God to work with us. It's a huge element of accomplishment. And I think those uh, who have times when they're not working, they really feel it. And as a church, we need to be supporting them because that time of accomplishment disappears for a bit and they lose, if you like, their understanding of who they are. And I think our support as a church is so important at that time. I know for myself, the times I find most difficult are the holiday times because I don't have my same pattern of work and I'm not quite sure who I am and what am I supposed to do. It's not that, believe you me, it's not that I'm not looking forward to a teacher's holiday in a week. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But it doesn't mean that that odd, unstructured time isn't hard for us. I alluded to it earlier, but I think in terms of just finishing on this, I just want to, if you like, throw out a challenge to those that we meet, whether it's at work, whether it's in our family, Um, whether it's at the school gate, whether it's at uh, Coffee and Chaos. And just, if you like, to open our eyes a bit, and I'm going to show a a video in a minute. Um, And it's, I suppose it's really about us being a beacon of light in a broken world. Um, I don't know if the video is ready to show and will work. Pardon? Do we need to just shut the curtains a bit because I think you need to see the um do you want to just pause it a second and then we can so the context of this is um a kind of fast food place, fast food um, uh, diner. Oh, Oh, that should work fine. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. 
don't know about you, every time I, I watch that I cry. Um, <laughs> so I don't know quite how I'm going to go on from there, but still. I think, um, for me, it's just, a, a, if you like, a, a challenge that as we meet people in different contexts, we don't necessarily see from the outside what they're feeling. And there's a challenge for us to be witnesses, to be talking to people, to be giving people opportunities to talk to us and to minister the love of Jesus. And I think for me at work, that's particularly relevant because, um, you know, you could be racing around at 20 miles an hour and actually not seeing the lives that are just next to you. Just next to you. Um, challenge of a broken world is huge and I find myself with a burden to reach out to the gods for, with God's love to those I meet employment family work coffee and chaos is a they are all huge opportunities to show God's love I don't know how we respond now but I wonder if you just want to stand with me and we will just pray Father everlasting. We love you, Lord. It's great to uh, be able to worship and to listen to your word. And we thank you, Lord, that every time we hear your word, it challenges us, Lord. It questions us. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, I pray particularly now for those who would think of themselves as people pleasers. Lord, I pray you'd release them from that, Lord. And help them to have that one sole passion, which is you, Lord. Lord, will you release people from that people-pleasing, Lord God. Do it, Lord. Do it, Jesus. Breakthrough. And I want to pray also, Lord, for all of us, Lord that you give us eyes to see and the time just to stop and reach out with your love, to be kind and generous, to be honest and truthful, Lord, as we go about our daily work, Lord, whatever that is, whether that's studying or um, working from home, Lord, whether that's um, bringing up a family, being retired, looking for work, whatever that is in our weeks, Lord Jesus, will you help us to have eyes to see those who have the needs around us in this broken world, Lord God. Thank you that you are the answer, Lord Jesus. You are the one who gives hope and hope that will last. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, I'll hand back to Mick.